This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Oh, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take a play or film that has never been staged before or is never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we'd stage it. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. Uh, This film makes me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. I I stay I staved it off because I was with uh, I was with my sister. Oh, see, I was so. with my sister and it didn't help. <laughs> Every speaking single of, time. <laughs> speaking of your sister, we are joined this week by self-proclaimed fan favorite of the podcast, Elsbeth Barron. <laughs> Hello, that's so rude. I know I'm the fan favorite. Really, I don't know how <laughs> how other people have topped mine. <laughs> No, you 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 haven't been told. But how how are you doing, Elsbeth? I'm good, thank you. I mean, I was just about to go back into theatre when uh, we went into a Woo! second lockdown. So, but hey, more theatre to come. Life is getting better. Yeah, it'll it'll occur eventually. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hope. Yeah, as we've already alluded to, we this week are covering the masterpiece that is Pixar's Inside Out. Yeah, it's 2015, directed by Pete Docter, uh, starring um, Amy Poehler, Mindy Kaling, Bill Hader, Phyllis Smith, Richard Kind. I mean, I can, the, the list goes on because it's a Pixar film and they've you know, got lots of big names in to do the voice acting. Everyone must have seen Inside Out. I've seen it like four or five times and every time it makes me cry. Elspeth, <laughs> um, why don't you give us a little rundown of the story of Inside Out? Of course. I think you have to be void of all emotion to not cry at Inside Out. Um, So basically, Inside Out uh, follows uh, 11-year-old Riley, who is just about to move from Minnesota to San Francisco. um, And we see all her guiding emotions that are joy, fear, anger, disgust and sadness. Um, And as she goes through the transition of living at a new home... um, sadness seems to be taking over a lot of the memories uh in the core like uh hq um and as such her and joy end up uh, in an argument and getting lost uh with all her emotions uh as all of her core memories st- begin to break down and her personality islands begin to break down and so they're on a fight to come back <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like nonsense <laughs> but it's actually really coherent in the world of the film I know. <laughs> it's it's possibly the best extended metaphor ever made yes, yes. It, it, exactly it is it's so good and and you try just watching you know on a rewatch especially you try and pick apart what they're getting at and you think oh but that doesn't quite work does it and then you think about it you go no no it does work like having this list of emotions, having the memories work in the way that they do. Uh, I mean, even like the train of thought, although it's just like a, it's kind of a joke, it still kind of works in what it's getting at. 
it, mm-hmm. it is such a good extended metaphor for our mind and what's going on inside us. Uh, uh, yeah, this film, if it, yeah, it, this is the crazy thing. If Even if it wasn't as emotionally resonant as it is, it would still be an incredible piece of world building and storytelling. But then also it just like hits you, like gut punches you with the feels as well. And then you're like, man, this is... This is the only film that consistently makes me cry every single time every I time, watch man. it. Every time. Every time. See, I mean, as, as well as consistently hitting us with the feels, it also consistently hits us with the feeling that we just have to put it on stage, apparently. Um, yes. Because that's what we're going to do now. Um, oh, to be honest, you know what I, I did? I was watching this. Caleb suggested this at kind of a last minute uh, suggestion. And yeah. I was sitting there watching it like, um, you know what? I think there's a reason this one's a film. Yeah. And yeah. animated at that. Yeah. And it's because of all the magic. It's not only is it the magic, because in some ways magic can be done on stage, but it's also it's so uh specifically filmic in that it's trying to tell the story of the emotions in her brain at the same time as tell the story of Riley in the real world. At the same time mm. as show us a load of memories from her in the real world from years ago. Yeah. And and so it's these three threads these three elements that are constantly crossing over each other in a way that only film can do um which makes the job of staging it really hard um but you know that's what we're here for we enjoy that we we love a challenge hey yeah, yeah i mean yeah challenge, right? <laughs> exactly yeah I mean, most of my notes are like just like bus question mark question mark <laughs> flying question mark 99 of the same person question mark question mark <laughs> um, but um we'll get I did to... just write the boyfriend's question mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll get to all of that first off does anyone have any grand ideas um, grand is a, a a good word <laughs> this is i guess a, a base to work from um i'm i'm thinking about sort of what character does this show take on in a theatrical space and i think what's important is although this film connects with people of all ages and you know we none of us were kids when we first saw it but i it, it is a kids film um and so i think the importance in bringing it to the stage for me i think is to make sure it still connects with its core audience of children um and I guess the base I want to start from is using the tradition of pantomime. Um, And so there's constant sense of audience interaction. uh, And, you know, there is in the film, there are voiceover monologues from Joy where she's sort of explaining the world around us that we see in it. And I think using that tradition of pantomime uh, would be a fun way of making the the show show feel interactive. Uh, Also, all of these... Uh, characters are of the emotions are just that they are archetypal emotions and uh, pantomime is the perfect place to sort of bring out the comedy and the fun in archetypal characters um i think as well uh, pantomime leans into uh this sort of animated style in that all of the backgrounds and stuff can be these big uh painted sets that um are you know they they don't have to look realistic because they're they're they are very specifically theatrical and there is a, a kind of understanding between the audience and the show that this is all theatrical and it's all fun and silly and it's not real. Um, and I think that it'd be a good place to start from that base and that tradition of theatre making 
to create something that's you know for families for children that's interactive that's fun and that really leans into the uh yeah the the sense of the the magic in this like you talked about jake i actually disagree okay Okay, before you before you tell us why you disagree, Elspeth, I just want to take a moment to be amazed because I don't think this has happened since the first episode of this podcast. Yeah. I also have written down pantomime no. in a big square. We're agreeing. Because <laughs> yeah. I also I also read this as not read it, but I was thinking about how can this actually be possible and I, I don't want to repeat anything you've said, but I I was looking at how Pixar does what Pixar does best is they they aim the story for the most part at the children and they, it, that story mm. engages them fully but then the dialogue has in in its layers something for the adults so yeah. all of the references to growing up and what that means uh, and all the deeper themes really resonate as you say with all ages um, and so yeah that was also what I thought of and also in some of the kind of specific technical elements as well um, but Elsbeth take us away with why I'm, this I'm is so a terrible sorry. idea <laughs> it's probably because I have a slight I, I, there is definitely a place for Panto in the world um, but I also think that for uh, being someone who's been part of family productions that aren't panto based, I think that you can make some really beautiful theatre that children get, which doesn't have to be this over the top, like um, panto esque uh, way of presenting things. And I think panto, I, I don't, I actually think you lose some of the magic of this show if you if you make it too interactive. I think kids should definitely be invested in the show, but I think it's a sitting in on the edge of their seats, like kind of seeing how things unravel. And I think you can make it magical in different ways. I was thinking about um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. They have incredible ways of making lights um, fly across the room and 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 creating real magic essentially we just need to get the producers well the technical team of that show on board for inside out um but i think you can do it in a really heartfelt and interesting way um that doesn't mean that you're doing a pantomime because i think that can i for me it has certain like stigmas attached to pantomime that you can't really Mm. do the heart stuff in the same way and i think you could do something really magical with a lot of technical ability. I mean, if we're running this in a theatre space, which is where we have endless money, you know, we can really go for it on t- in terms of lighting. Um, can I, I can I defend pantomime? Yeah, you can, you can try. <laughs> well, I, I completely agree and I understand where that stigma comes from, but pantomime historically is a form of theatre that is accessible to audiences that a lot of um, what's considered highbrow theatre would not be. I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm saying I, I want to use pantomime as a base and I want to use that tradition because I think it's a, a, a type of show that in, opens its doors and invites audiences that would not typically experience theatre. But... I do agree that I don't want this to fall in. I don't want there to be a sequence where we do a whole he's behind you thing, although you could do that with the clown in that scene. Um, but no, we're not doing that. but <laughs> I, I, I don't want it to be interactive all the way through. But I I guess what, I, I, what I'm saying is I, I think that some of the fun and the animation and the, the feel of this completely invented world 
lends itself to that pantomime tradition that I think would invite in an audience that wouldn't typically experience theatre. Um, I agree with yeah. you about that. We might end up being just being in an argument about <laughs> pantomime. I agree with you about that, but I do I do think that you can be interactive without and and bring people into something without having to put the kind of pantomime label on, on it because I think that automatically makes you think you're going to have a dame there that you're going to have always look on the bright side of life you're going to have the sequence where they're all looking behind them yeah, I think so it just I just, <laughs> it just hits a lot of things just, for me yeah see I just feel like this is such a specific understanding of what pantomime has to be that has come out of the pantomime tradition but isn't that's not what pantomime is about it's about I don't know I guess for me I feel like pantomime is something of uh community theater in it there's something of um allowing yourself to like play with uh you know a lot of pantomime these days that has money behind it it, it will have some high level technical elements but it will also have a sense of lo-fi and a kind of almost grassroots feel to it i don't know i think there's something fun in that i think it's fine that we disagree on that <laughs> and i guess what i'm saying is i want to take the pantomime base and then um as a starting point and then elevate that to the place where it feels like it's doing everything that a, a play that is would take itself you know more seriously or whatever than pantomime would yeah yeah i think i don't know <laughs> i think what you're both saying ma- makes perfect sense i think because i think Elsbeth, i think you're right most people if you put the pantomime label on people are expecting those elements but Caleb, I think you're right that it doesn't have to. And actually, I think I don't want us to get stuck in a semantic argument about what pantomime is. <laughs> Thanks, but I, because actually, <laughs> no, no, because I think because actually, I think you're on a on some level you're agreeing. Um, I think Caleb, for me, yes. When I am thinking pantomime, um, I was I was gonna I was gonna caveat it with, but as you said, Caleb, we don't actually need those elements that make in a way, make it pantomime. You don't need a sidekick and a dame and a he's behind you scene and, and a bit where you give out prizes to random kids. Because, yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. That would take away yeah, from any emotional weight. And I think we're all agreed in that. So there's, yeah. we don't need to dive any de- deeper into that. No. I think the the interesting thing is is our different understandings of um, pantomime. Obviously, Elspeth, you working in... Uh, in does does Chichester put on pantomime? No. no. <laughs> and, this, and, and this is exactly why I think we're in this situation. Um, no, no. So, so, uh, so, yeah. So, us all having us all having like limited, us all having different experiences of pantomime. Um, I think maybe what we what we really mean is it might be good to put it on at Christmas because that's when you get a bigger audience, and it's good to market it as aimed at kids. Yeah. Um, and it might be good to include co- some kind of slapstick elements and maybe thinking about reworking some of the jokes so they're a little bit topical. And then other than that, yeah, we can push for dramatic tension and emotional weight in a way that pantomime traditionally doesn't. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think we are in broad agreement. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe other than semantically. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to suggest, which I thought of at the beginning and then became less and less useful i think as we went on was musical question mark yeah uh, it's, that crossed my mind very briefly but I, I think it's best left as it is but using the element of music because the score of this film is is Gorgeous. beautiful it's so good um and probably using that same music to underscore the action but i don't think it needs to break into musical at any point yeah 
Because okay. it uses its music really well as well to bring you back to different themes. So I think, yeah, no, I think using the soundtrack as it is, it's, it's good. Wonderful. So, okay, so broadly then, what we've what we've kind of come to <laughs> is a proscenium standard space kind of thing, but maybe in more like a community tour kind of thing rather than one big grand theatre, yeah. um, which might limit us in certain ways, we'll see. And then we've said... Um, well, we've not said much else, actually. So I guess we, we want to. Um, so I guess we want to, to talk about now. Um, I guess so, Caleb. You said about about sets that were kind of they don't need to be particularly lavish because that's one thing I was thinking here. Is yeah. you know we've got um, we've got houses, we've got islands of personality, we've got San Francisco, we've got the school, we've got the mm. dinner table, we've got a tight throat over over the the depths of despair we've got the depths of despair itself we've got uh, <laughs> a tower a tower so high you could never see it there's you've got the the fact that the islands collapse in, yeah. in on themselves yeah. and then reappear immediately we've got imagination land <laughs> we've got the subconscious we've got we've got a moment where everyone becomes fucking abstract yeah, that, <laughs> that's the thing that's blowing got, my mind there's right so there. much to talk about here Whoa. we're already 20 minutes in <laughs> How the hell are we going to ta- tackle this? Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess where I'm coming from with the pantomime thing <laughs> is, yeah, is is this thing that we can get away with some of these sets just being these sort of like, you know, well-designed and well-painted, but just painted onto boards or even boards that we can design it and project onto. So the, the thing that made me think of that was um, we have this back to the HQ that is all of Riley's memories from that day, but at different times we see different sets of memories. So when Joy's there, there's lots of joyful memories. And then later on when Joy's gone, um, most of them, you know, all the memories are either disgust, fear or anger. And then at the end, they're, they're these combined memories where it's multiple emotions are feeding into one memory at once. Uh, again, just oh, that mem- that metaphor just extends itself over and over it's amazing um so yeah i guess it's um yeah the opportunity of of coming at it with this sort of uh low budget sensibility but to create high quality sets uh but ones that are malleable so even if it was just that we had a background that could have multiple different settings projected onto it that could be useful um my thought broadly as well in terms of structure would be that the the hq uh, where all the emotions are is in some kind of platform that can be raised and lowered. Maybe it's on like mm. a, um, not even like uh, directly above, but maybe maybe it's at the back of the stage. There's some kind of tiered thing that it can it can come down on hydraulics to the front of the stage when the action's happening there, and then it can be pushed back, and then that front of the stage can become the main playing space for the rest of the action when it needs to be as well. Um, so that's yeah. Those are some broad ideas and some ways of maybe condensing some of these settings down to just oh, we can just project uh, this colorful setting onto the background and then play with the space in a in a smaller. Caleb, way. I you know what I've noticed recently? Yeah, you say the phrase "project onto the back" pretty much every yeah, episode because it's so. Much and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in the next few episodes. Try not to say it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just for fun. Just well, for okay. Fun. For the, no, no. You know what? For this. No, no. We okay. can do it here. No, no. no, I no think let's paint backgrounds. I think no. I, think you're right, and and I agree, and it's something that I rely on far too heavily. <laughs> um, which, and interestingly, in my 
my own sort of limited experience of making theater i've never used projection because i don't usually like it <laughs> um <laughs> i think it i think because in a low budget setting it looks bad most of the time but in mm, a high mm. budget setting it looks incredible when i've seen it used well uh, which yeah, is why i rely I, on it yeah. in these conversations <laughs> yeah i guess so i yeah because i've i've not really ever seen it for like for full backdrop so i I don't really have an opinion on it Mm. on that way but i guess to take to take what you were saying for me yeah if you split it down really simply there are three settings as it were in that there is the real world hq and then the magical mind world (laughs) that they fall into yeah um and so i guess that part of that as well was where i came from with with uh with the panto is that you know the audience are willing to accept that you just do some stuff in front of the tabs at some point um which I'm not saying that that's what we want to do, um, not at all. But I think, yeah, I really like this idea of having a way of, I definitely think a raised platform, maybe, yeah, we could do the hydraulic arm thing. That'd be sick um, to to have the HQ in some kind of way that's kind of always present. And then a way that we can maybe have the real world in a part of the stage and then the magical world, maybe both of those in, in, the, in the downstage kind of area where we can, we can swap between them rather rapidly, whether it's maybe that there's set that maybe, as you say, it's painted, but it can be spun so that when you spin it around it, one side is normal San Francisco and one side is the magical world or Mm. um, something like that. Some way of kind of quickly moving between them, because I think what we can't lose that's in this film, unfortunately, is this idea that we cut between the stories, because as you say, the whole idea is the stories affect each other and the stories are each other. Mm. Um, and their rationalizations of each other. Yeah, I I agree with the split stage. That was something that I'd written down right at the beginning, like having um, HQ always there um, on this kind of movable platform and then just having other spaces to play with. Because also you have those moments where the other emotions come in of the mum and dad um, and mm. um, whether you bring in some additional HQs that you like roll on from the side or something. But I think I think projection could really work as well. I think that allows you more spaces and to be able to move through spaces quite quickly. So like going into the abstract um, tunnel of thought or whatever. Yeah, the abstract thought tunnel. You can then play with that a bit in the background if you're projecting onto a space Um but yeah, that... yeah, and especially as well for like the dream production stuff. I like, yeah. I, 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 I did think projection was necessary here in for some instances, because mm. um, that's because you know the control room is them looking at a projection screen basically. So that really works really well. But I thought of it more for that than for settings. Yeah, yeah, um, I maybe... think I think you're right. I think if we could do as many of the settings as painted as possible, like you say on these um rotating boards of some kind, I think that that's great. And I think that that actually realistically that's the element of um, that's part of the element of the, of the sort of pantomime tradition that I was wanting to sort of use is that thing of, um, yeah, that we can we can build these physical sets that aren't perfect representations of the thing, but are these sort of beautiful artworks in their own right in some ways yeah. Um, yeah. that we can use. I was going to say with the parents, by the way, Elsbeth, my, my idea for that was that we'd use the same HQ, but under the desk 
there's like a set of like wigs and hats. Oh, I love that. So that those same actors, the lights kind of flash off them and flash back on, and then they all have to be in a different character of the same character. If that makes any sense. Cut my idea. That is a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, The other element I was going to add in, which it kind of doesn't always fall into set, but I think would work really nice in in this particular show is the space for lighting Uh, as I mentioned earlier I think you can you can really use lighting to your advantage and have you know some LEDs that I can't remember what show it was I watched but they used LEDs to show movement through uh, across the stage oh that was um way upstream the Eightbourne show. No, I don't mean that. But oh, okay. I, I know well, what you mean LEDs with the lighting. That. <laughs> to, that was the passing of time. Oh, but right, I right. mean, there was like, oh, maybe it was that. But um, lighting to... So I was thinking when the memories go out each day, you could have these little balls of light that just you see all the lights kind of um, move across the stage and then go into this space and use lighting to kind of project some of that stuff without having to... Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, no, like I, having, yeah. Like having balls it, it, of light that move across. Yeah, the stage. it's almost as like the and and that's what's great is the emotions are yeah they can be these sort of the physical people who play them in the HQ, but then they can be there can be these ethereal moments where they are light, they are um, shown in a different medium, a different form, yeah. and well, and the tunnel. I was thinking when you mentioned the uh, tunnel of ab- abstract thought, that could be a moment where. Um, the way we could do that on stage is maybe even we put our actors behind they, they walk in and they go behind a screen and it becomes yeah. like a puppet show like a light show um, does that mean shadow puppets yes. that's what I mean yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, becomes yeah, yeah. shadow puppets and so we see them walking as shadow puppets and then that's a moment where you know they can just lie down on whatever and we can pop other puppets up that look like the different shapes yeah. um, and yeah. you can play with their form in that way as well well no so I mean this is the thing we've we've kind of already got away from because you know the other way of going with this is you know I've really loved the idea of building this set that has these like balls with LEDs in them that are rem- all remotely controlled yeah. and then there's a there's a trap door that this the thing the, the core memories come up from and you know it, we, you know that kind of stuff is all really doable mm. is expensive but also would look really cool yes um and so we've kind of moved away from that already um yeah. which is not necessarily a bad thing i mean I I, yeah i mean there. i think there's a way of doing that still in having these these balls i think make them smaller probably because they're huge like they're like you know football size in in this if you brought them down to like tennis ball size or something maybe that would be a better an easier way of making that happen on stage um maybe yeah although I mean, they're then uh, less visible so i don't know why yeah I'm and I, th- I think it would be cool for those for the five things she's carrying around the whole time i what i worry is unfortunately is that when you if you decide you want to make something like hyper realistic or put loads of money and yeah. effort into it then and if you've still got your painted sets on the other side of things it yeah. starts to feel like a disconnect in vision yeah and then it right. gets really hard to bring an audience on site and so it's almost like you've kind of got to go for one you've got to go yeah, for low res or high res yeah, I guess for me, I feel like that whole background with the with the colored balls, we could get away with projecting it and bringing this low res feel to it. I guess as well, part of the reason I'm bringing this is uh, because 
almost every week now we just come in and we say imagine if you poured 100 million into this show <laughs> and i wanted to come up with an idea for this of like what if we actually came at this with a budget that you might have for a touring production agreed, agreed <laughs> and see agreed. where we go from there it's just a shame the one we picked to do that with is the one that is just impossible <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh, well you mentioned elspeth there about the the led lighting and the sort of we playing with form using that um maybe that's a good segue into talking about lighting in general because i think that would be such an important part of making this show yeah, come awesome. to life i i can start with a thought but i was opening <laughs> that up to either of you to <laughs> jump in I, just, I always we always we find lighting really difficult to talk about on this i think because it's so dependent on what you decide everywhere else yes it yes, depends on where true. people are what the costume looks like what the set looks like where they are on the yeah stage, i mean where the audience I, I guess so, so yeah it's, it but gone so well, go, well some, some thoughts, thoughts i had is like for example um using spotlights and all of our main characters the emotions specifically we can have one spotlight that is just like you know a, a standard yellow spot but then also like using um gels to color with their emotion mm -hmm. and at different times maybe when they're most expressing their emotion or you know different moments we can bring in so discuss we can put a green gel on and um you know anger we can put a red one on what's interesting as well and this is a completely different thing, I guess. Joy is covered in this blue light, even though she's like bright yellow and green. Um, and I wonder if there's something we can do with that as well. Some way that we can get this sense of light emanating from her as well as light lighting her, if that makes sense. Um, maybe using lights from on the stage or something like that. Um but, well, again, yeah. so, I mean, it's a costume indecision first, I think, you know, well, how do we want to make these guys look? Are we going to put them in full body paint and then, yeah, and then do that? Well, or this is, is what, what... We, me and Elspeth kind of talked about this off the pod, didn't we? Uh, in that, like, this is something unlike, for example, Chicken Run, which we did on the podcast, where it's like, how do we, how do we do this so they don't look like these weird cartoon chickens? Um, in this, actually, I feel you know, maybe you ask all of the characters, uh, all of the actors to either wear a wig or dye their hair. But apart from that, they can just wear the colors yeah. of, of, of their character. They've, they've, hmm. You're very much looking for five character actors who are very good at playing that um, emotion. Um, and so I think it's, it's about dressing them up as people. Yeah. You don't have to play with this as much. You don't have to make them something you, you could like have discussed with green hair and have a wig and, and, you know, sadness with blue hair. But I think apart from that, it's just about making them look like that's very much what they're like in, in this, uh, in the animation, actually, they just look like people. Um, and I think it's all about casting, actually, for that, that those people really can emulate those characters. Mm. Which is why I guess, yeah, why I thought about you bring that colour in through the lighting rather than through the costuming necessarily. Um, and so you can play with those colours that we've seen in the film. But actually, yeah, we're, we're offering it up as an opportunity for the actors to bring yeah, but that, uh, I yeah. mean, you know, they show that fear is this, you know, tall, thin guy. Um, anger is this short, like quite stocky guy. Um, disgust is the girl, the mean girl from school. You know, sadness is a, uh, um, is 
Well, I don't really know what she is. Um, and Joy is this like, almost this like mum of uh, of excitement and stuff. And so I think it's about um, casting people who look who who give off that look as well, like you would for any show, I guess. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I th- yeah, I think that does that does work there. And then with the your spotlight idea, Caleb. I mean. I don't know whether that will require having five fuller spot operators, which is already driving our costs up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but if not, then, uh, yeah, then I think that really brings them together as people. Um, obviously, we'll later have to discuss how we make fire come from a man's head. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I mean, for me, that's the easiest costume to yeah, rather than the yeah. real people. Because then you've got... Um, bing and we'll bong. come to cast size as well. But then you've got... Um, I mean, yeah, bing, bing Bong is the one that comes to mind. I mean... That, yeah. And also, that was what also made me think of Panto as well. Because yeah, it's this kind of like it, best friend character. Yeah, that's what... Who makes a it, sacrifice. Yeah. I thought that it's like... Um, like is it buttons in Aladdin or something like that? I haven't seen uh, a panto. Cinderella, yeah. Cinderella, oh boy. <laughs> I haven't seen a panto in a long time. But it's that sort of character where they look like a mishmash and a sort of patchwork character. That is what Bing Bong is in some ways. Yeah, I well, just before we discuss the costuming for Bing Bong, I think the costuming for the, the mind workers, that can be a kind of... Oh, they, the jelly beans. Yeah, they can. <laughs> the jelly beans. That's really funny. They 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 can be a kind of ensemble of. Uh, I think there has to be an ensemble cast to this, and they can play the classmates. They can play uh, different people in the memories, um, but they can also play the mind workers, and they can. And it's just about simple costumes. I think. I think with the mind workers, you just put them in boiler suits or you know lab coats or whatever depending on what they're doing i I think in some ways they don't need to look like (laughs) jelly beans on the stage uh, in the same way yeah no i I agree um i don't know having like a middle-aged man with a lab coat being like hello i'm looking at your memories is a bit weird so i'd kind of want to make them wacky in some way yeah um but yeah, I think broadly... get hair and makeup in there. We'll be yeah, fine. hair and makeup. Yeah, let's uh... wardrobe and wigs. Hair, makeup, projection. It's all. It's yeah. all adding up. Hey, they can do it themselves. Enough actors have to nowadays. Um. Yeah. <laughs> just get especially, a I especially imagine on the panto theater circuit as well. <laughs> no, like seriously. One thing that people tend to come into us and be like, "Oh, can you t- like?" can I look at theatrical makeup and like follow your makeup person? And we're like, oh, well, they're quite expensive. So we probably hire them for about a day to go around and tell people how to do their makeup. Mm. And then they're left to do their makeup on their own for the rest of the run. Like, oh, wow. Crazy, man. it's not really, a, it's not as big a thing as people think it is really. In well, that the explains industry. pantomime dames. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Let's come, let's so, come back to Bing Bong. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no. We're, so we're left, as far as difficult costumes is concerned, with Bing Bong and the fuck yeah. off massive clown. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Can we do just? Can we just put a massive clown? That could be a puppet, right? We I was going to say puppet. it could be a puppet of the shoes. I think so. But the shoes yeah. and the head. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen a production of Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack in the Beanstalk, Jack say, and yeah. the Beanstalk, where you just see the giant's like big arm <laughs> swipe across yeah. the stage. No, and uh, in Beetlejuice, there's the snake. There's yeah, a giant true. snake here yeah. that comes on, um, and I think there's a there's a play of the BFG. It, I yeah, say. almost certainly. 
Well, I, I um, actually nearly suggested that for this week, and then I was like, oh, there's probably already a play of it, so... I need to Google and find out now. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... I mean, I've had, I, or I just... I do know that in the Oxford Playhouse workshop, there is a giant head of some kind of giant, so it's definitely oh, right. been done. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think the clown we could definitely do with puppetry. I think... Yeah, Bing Bong's a funny one, because... I enjoy that he's kind of like an elephant and a cat and all that stuff. But you also could humanize him and just he'd be this funny imaginary friend in like a, you know, a big purple jacket with lots of different badges on it. And um, maybe you have some kind of, you know, underneath like his clothing, he's he's wearing something that makes him look like cotton candy. And there's just a bit where he's like, I'm mostly made of cotton candy or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we can maybe relate him more to something else like we could make him like a hockey club mascot or something oh that's not a bad idea that's not um, a bad i don't idea. know i'm worried about literally overheating an actor every night yeah <laughs> yeah it's like yeah we we fry humans here on stage <laughs> um, what do you think of bing bong <laughs> I love yeah bing bong. um uh i think there's an element of uh you could get rid of the nose idea maybe and just dress him up to be this really like but i guess that loses the imagination of that character so i don't i don't know mm. I, I think the mascot idea works but yeah again you are chucking someone into a lot of heat with all those lights um and, yeah, and also, basically frying I, them alive <laughs> yeah i also worry about the pathos we need to build for them for, for when the, when they yeah i d- wonder d- disappear. if disappear well i wonder if it is a more human character that you just yeah. create mm. that just has this big costume that Here's is a, a bit thought. more uh, sorry no no you you go ahead <laughs> here's a thought um something often with kids shows i'm thinking I, I guess i'm thinking <laughs> i guess i'm thinking in the vein of something like peter pan where the parents the dad plays captain hook you could have the dad play bing bong and it could be like she's imagined a friend that's almost a bit like her dad as well yeah that's quite nice actually i like that i mean it changes it slightly but it... i think it would build emotional pathos into it though yes but you would again you would have to make the costume quite yeah i'm big saying we we and... make it wacky but it's more human and it's like we can there's almost a a, a visual acknowledgement that um it's an imaginary friend that she's based off of like her her dad, her in dad some ways. Yeah. because we have like the whole thing Wonka-esque. of like that she's her yeah. goofball island is from memories with her dad yeah, and stuff that's and, true. um but yeah do this sort of wacky um i'm thinking almost like a sort of like um the way that <laughs> this is a reference uh the way that amy pond thinks about the doctor wow. in the first season Ooh. of that doctor who yeah. um and it's what is it? it's like her raggedy doctor. raggedy man yeah. yeah that kind of vibe but um but maybe but a bit more cartoony than that um and then have yeah the same actress the dad play that although that would be potentially some challenging costume changes although most of the yeah, time when also, bing bong's in it the dad is not because that's when he's busy with his new job so it yeah. could probably work true. But the thing that the thing that that might change for me is that the whole idea is that dad's been there up to now and now he's not there. Yeah. And to me, if you've made an imaginary friend out of your dad, it's because he wasn't there. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I wonder whether that. I don't know. I think her dad has been there to an extent, but obviously, like you wouldn't, if your parents were present all the time, you wouldn't come up with an imaginary friend at all. Like, I think there is an implication Ooh, that hot he's take. 
Well, yeah, maybe that is a hot take. I don't know. Did I have imaginary friends? I've no Just idea. Just I had a fake mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our little brother used to have a, a pretend friend and a fake mate. But you, and they he didn't give them names. They were just called pretend friend and fake I had, mate. I had an imaginary friend called Wobblus. <laughs> Wobblus? <laughs> um, who, I, uh, who I pushed on the swing. I had, no, I had no friends. My mum was there the whole fucking time. So that's why I... Uh, laughing at you. <laughs> my... <laughs> My mum would take me to the park to push wobblers on the side. Oh, no. So, <laughs> this is that's... one of the bleakest <laughs> things I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I think I was just good at making friends. <laughs> that is savage. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't have any friends no. <laughs> when, oh, I, when I was in primary. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> got friends now, Jake. <laughs> Where? Maybe one day, maybe one day, someone that I knew at primary school will listen to this, and they'll think, "Oh, I was Jake's friend then." <laughs> and I'll say, "Yes, you were." Wobbles. It yes, turns were. out they were the yeah, they were the imaginary <laughs> friend. Um, yeah. Um, so what are we doing about <laughs> what what did we decide about being <laughs> um it doesn't it obviously doesn't it doesn't have to be have the to same be the actor dad, as the dad it was just a thought <laughs> but I do think... no i like it i like it um well yeah that or not that is fine with me <laughs> <laughs> this but but you know not this yeah, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> obviously um, not that but also <laughs> um uh if you haven't seen that uh michelin website so go, go watch it um so Okay, let's let's imagine that we've we've solved that, even though we haven't really. Yeah. Um, and um, move on to yeah. So okay, so we've made those decisions. Then we've got we've got a basic idea of lighting, a basic idea of set, basic idea of costume, um, casting. So are we thinking those the emotions as kind of permanent permanently those characters? Yeah. Yes. And then maybe um, having Riley as permanently Riley and then everyone else moving around and yeah. how many more people do you think we need yeah I, I mean I guess I think then you would have yeah you'd have the main cast of the five emotions and Riley then you'd have a I guess a sort of supporting cast of the parents but they also play you know maybe they play bing bong and a mine worker and um other things uh, and also like the teacher and then you'd have like an ensemble of I'm gonna say somewhere around eight yeah, other actors um, who would play classmates and the teacher would play mine workers would play people the mine workers in the film studio would play people on the bus I don't know all the other parts um, so I guess that adds up to a cast of about 16 to 20 which is probably not bad for a, this sort of touring production kind of thing uh, yeah. a bit big <laughs> um, it's a bit big for well, touring I, you're you're selling you're selling Pixar, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. It is very big for putting up in a hotel every week. You're that's right. true. Like, that I is think. True. Um. Yeah. Maybe we'd maybe move to th- think about it as a something static. Maybe not touring, but maybe a. Uh, if we're thinking about it as a sort of Christmas time production, we think about it as like a sort of, you know, six week run over end of November, December, um, in one theater, and then that would probably make more sense of, of that size of cast uh, the space i have in my head which you won't know jake but else before no uh, is the king's theater in london that kind of uh, in portsmouth <laughs> the king's theater in portsmouth that kind of proscenium art sort of 
um, what sort of era theatre is that? Like Victorian? Yeah, I think so. Or like Edwardian, that sort of yeah, era. Yeah, I've seen the outside of it. You showed me the outside of it once. Oh, yeah, when we went to Portsmouth that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cut this out, but yeah. <laughs> nah, we're, we're getting real personal this episode. <laughs> we are, we are. Um, <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that that sort of, yeah, late Victorian, you know, at one time was probably a variety hall of some kind, but now a proscenium arch theatre. Um, although there's fewer and fewer of those about, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Does it have a balcony? Yes. Yeah. Level. That has two cool, balconies, I, have... I believe. I have an idea for the bits oh. where they fly. Okay. Well, yes. why, don't, why don't we just launch straight into that? Okay. So, so you know this bit where they're on a rocket ship and they sing the song and it has to go up to the balcony and then back down? Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't need down. to be reminded of that moment. <laughs> um, one of the really gets me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, Bing Bong decides that he's going to let her go and jump off. Oh, my God. It is so, it's so sad. Um <laughs> Oh, so this moment, I can see the tears forming. When me. he says, take it to the moon for me. <laughs> ah! <laughs> for me, um, so I've seen two things that make me think this is possible. One, mm. I already mentioned last week, it's the Tweenies, where they made a rocket. <laughs> they made their green Jake, rocket. This is like the sixth the episode where you've mentioned the Tweenies now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was, I, I saw it when I was like five. Yeah. And I think it's, the, you know, when people have has a show that's like, oh, I've got to be involved in that. Yeah. I think that was mine. Wow. But man. I don't remember anything about it other I, than the ship flew over the audience. I think it might be um, one of Jake is, Jake's core cool memories. <laughs> it's a core cool the, memory. Theatre yeah. Island is powered by the Twins. Anyways, my other one is a production I didn't even see, which is last year's Oxford Playhouse pantomime, which was Dick Whittington and his cat, where there was a moment I don't know what was happening in the plot, but I was just talking about this moment where <laughs> Dick Whittington for some, somehow ends up moving from the stage up to the balcony level wow. and then like doing the end of the scene from the balcony. Um, and so my thought is, is that we somehow rig this rocket ship so that it flies from the stage to the balcony and the balcony yes. is what they're trying to reach. Yeah. And so she misses it a couple of times and then we can see Bongo this is a quite a dark Bing scene bong. obviously because they're in they're in the the basement of dream death or whatever it's called <laughs> yeah. um and they're they're on the ship and it and it flies up and it comes back down it flies up and it comes back down and then and then we see him kind of get off as it flies up and then we follow everyone hopefully because it's bright and loud and whatever everyone can follow her as it happens um up to the balcony she says a few things and then we and then we look back and bongo can be gone um that was my thought. That's um, brutal, you actually. I love that thought, but it just... You said... You called him Bongo. You called him Bongo. And he's called Bing Bong. And I, and I really rudely corrected you and said, Bing Bong. And you didn't hear it. So that, No, it, it, muted you, just, it muted you. I just really got the giggles for a second there. That really made me yeah, laugh. Yeah. It, it was a really, really beautiful thought and all I could hear was Caleb going <laughs> <laughs> no I, re- I actually I, I love that idea <laughs> we're recording so for people who are confused we're recording over uh, a call on the internet and my internet's not very good yeah. and sometimes people say things and I don't hear them no, in no. this case 
What I didn't hear was that his name is Bing Bong, not Bong. What did I call him? Bongo Bongo? Bongo. You just called him Bongo. Um, no, I, I love that idea. And yeah, the, the Dick Whittington thing surprises me because the, the balcony in the playhouse is quite far away from the stage. Um, it's very far away. In yeah. comparison to like... Uh, yeah, well, I guess because in, in the King's Theatre, the balcony comes all the way round. And there are boxes as well next to the stage. Right, um, yeah. And you could even use a box at one moment or something as well. Yeah, the quickest way in the playhouse to get to the back, this is very specific, is to go into the lighting grid and go along the top of the theatre. Right, the yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no, I think there's definitely a way we could do that. And that would be um, that would be a really cool moment. And it would be... Yeah, it's one of those moments where it feels like it... Um, your your it's it's spectacle as well as just um story and that's kind of the fun of like an, a, a children's animated sh- show like this as well and you know i'll let you allow a panto element in this section you could get all the kids well, to sing this the song is, this is one of the things that made me want to do it it's a panto <laughs> yeah. is you get uh, yeah you get the whole audience to sing the bing bong song <laughs> on so bongo sorry. or whatever <laughs> i'm sorry um, i had not thought ahead no that. it's fine yes. <laughs> um yeah and also also that whole i mean that whole scene is actually annoyingly panto-y in that there's always a scene where they find themselves in a dark forest mm. and they have to find something and it's all scary honestly <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what's going it, on it there. is exactly that but yeah no i definitely think there's a yeah a moment as a, a chance of interaction and a chance of <laughs> oh my spectacle god and... the, the ship falls down and they go well we'll have to sing it again <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're not doing that <laughs> it's all there it's all there elspeth <laughs> yeah, the um yeah okay well i guess yeah we kind of talked broadly about most things so maybe we should talk about more of these sort of special effects uh moments you mentioned about making fire come out of someone's head i think in some ways because we're not doing any of this uh as entirely hyper realistic in that moment they could pick him up he could get real angry pick him up and tip him up towards the window and then you put blinders onto the audience and you have pyro like flame go off at the sides of the stage or at the front of the stage and then, and then you, it, you know, by the time the lights have gone off again, the window's open or blasted out. I, I just want to cut it because a, how are they gonna hit a window? How's that gonna fucking happen? Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> uh, B, it doesn't look very good. C, I hate it because you can't but melt glass. Glasses melted sand, and yeah, you uh, can <laughs> if you if you heat it can. up enough, it melts again. It, it, it get, does it. It, 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 it um, crystallizes. Yeah, but not the way that they showed. They showed it as if you could just kind of like make it explode. I don't know. Yeah, don't yeah. Like that, that's what would happen with glass. If if I took a really hot flame to my window right now, it would shatter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it would shatter. It would shatter. That's what I mean. It right? kind of does shatter. that, but just a little bit of it shatters. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway. Neither this of is... us are scientists. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Ignore that bit. Ignore that bit. Anyway, I don't like it because I don't think it adds much. Um, and yeah. I don't know how we'd show them hitting the glass. And I think we just have them swing in. Uh, well, completely. actually, also that brings us back to the the problem immediately before it which is having like a hundred of the same person being the boyfriends <laughs> maybe there is a whole new way we can come up with them getting to the headquarters at the end i think it might have to be because i mean it, it's one thing yeah finding making making a few people look like they're the same person it's another thing stacking them on top of each other having them fall down from heights and then having her bounce off a trampoline <laughs> Yeah, she's going to have to find Into... a new way back to HQ. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. 
let's uh let's riff this well, one. a lot of the ways they don't get there are very convolutedly stopped yeah like but i like that so i mean so <laughs> I, I guess we're kind of working backwards and that's not the thing to do in the sense that the reason why they have to do that is because the train breaks and the train breaks because the island falls into the pit yeah. and how does any oh, of that oh man <laughs> oh, my head hurts just thinking about it um, maybe we should go forwards in time not backwards or do we got to keep going backwards? Well, let's keep going backwards because we're already here now. Okay, um, so we start with the trampoline boys. Yes, yeah. The island... Yeah, well, yeah, let's go... Well, we go back a bit from there. The island's falling in... Falling into the pit of despair thing. That's definitely something we can project because the way we can see it is in the moments when they're in the HQ and they look out the back and they're like, oh, no, the another island dropped. That's true, that's true. Because what I was thinking was having little models that are kind of out over the orchestra pit that can then fall down at the moments and then they can affect what's happening on stage. Um, but that's very similar to projection, so I don't mind either way. Yeah, me neither. Cool. Uh, overall. Oh, we, I thought that was going to be much harder. Those, that, those, are, those are possibilities. Those are, but, <laughs> those are both is, possibilities, yeah. Those are what... Because those, those are things that we can see from far away. They're not very... They wouldn't be as dramatic. And project again, projection is not as easy as it sounds. You've got to pay someone to yeah, I know. Yeah. basically reanimate the whole thing. No, no, no. They're um, just going to literally just cut out that bit of film, just slap that on the no, back wall. You know what? You know what? If we if if we manage to if you manage to get Disney to agree to this, you probably could. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, but go on, Elspeth. I think go with the lo-fi idea with uh, with having it out over the orchestra. The bit. models. And, yeah, and keep the projection for those memories and having the models out on the front and, uh, you know, it, it it's more in the audience and they can see this. It will have a less of a this emotional, like, bringing it down, but I think actually the emotion hits in other places uh, a lot harder rather than seeing a crumbling... Yeah, I think I think the dialogue builds the stakes enough that you don't need to visualize the stakes in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. And if we're honest, most people will be coming into it knowing what what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it doesn't stop you crying. No, yeah, it won't. I tell no. you, it won't. <laughs> um, I think we should provide so, tissues. In so the yeah. House. So really, the issue is the train of thought has been stopped. Mm. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so as has my train of thought. Um, so maybe the tube that they take back. Oh no, because that's when she goes into. <laughs> that's when she goes into the pit. So yeah, it can't man. be the tube. Um, oh, maybe the maybe the train of thought is a is a London Underground train rather than this kind of locomotive, and it goes like underneath, and that makes it less of a flying thing. Does that help anything? No, because the train of thought cuts it earlier. Yeah, I, I don't think that does in that, like, I think we can just build a really, like, small sort of train set. <laughs> like, like the set could be, like, a, literally, like, part okay. of the carriage of a train. Right, okay, so how about, no, but how about, so how about the, tr how about a train set, as in a toy tray set, train mm. set, which is also as part of these little models over the front. Mm. And basically, all that grand stuff that happens, we see down the front, mm. and then it just affects, like, very locally what's happening to the Yeah, I'm, I'm well so up So they can that, be in, like, yeah. a... And like a, a shell of a train set. And then we see it fall at the front. I don't know how big it would have to be for get everyone to see this, but we see it fall at the front. And they just kind of do the whole like, again, bit pantomime-y, but they do the whole like, whoa, kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's right. I like that. So how are they getting back up in the end? I, I wonder if you switch it so that she falls into the pit of despair in the train section uh, and Ooh. they only manage to pull sadness out or, and then she can come back up and go through one of the... Oh, no, that still doesn't work. How about... sadness can't go in the tube. How about she just gets the rocket up to the balcony and then... Um, meet sadness there and then they rocket to the hq they just use the rocket so you use the same thing twice yeah it's not great <laughs> double barrel gun yeah <laughs> um uh, i don't i don't know about that but i wonder whether that rocket that first time could be just getting her home and then there's just some as you say as just some way of getting sadness home what if we oh, go back okay. to the boyfriend idea we go real lo-fi we get the ensemble actors all dressed up as the boyfriends coming through on stage. We can keep them going round and round in some way. And then to make it so that they're in this big, like, um, line. Sorry, I'm using my hands, but you can't see that. A big, like... Um, Radio. Line. A tower of them. A tower yeah. of boyfriends. You could just have a bunch of those like inflatable boyfriends that you attach to each other and you to bring down after you've introduced them all going on stage and and that's the way you do it and then how do we get them to bounce 300 meters in the air uh ooh. <laughs> ooh. um okay or this is where his, you could use a his... uh, you could fly you could fly the character yeah here's a thought Ooh, yeah actually that that is on i've just remembered the hq is on stage so they yeah, do yeah. actually have an up to get to that is yeah. that's a good point actually well i was just gonna say as well maybe even what she does is she just gets like maybe we have it where the <laughs> the boyfriend is like no no it doesn't work we could do that with the trampoline <laughs> I, if we, we yeah, could just cut, yeah, yeah we could find a way without the boyfriends or with with two boyfriends to get her to the trampoline they could just like give her a piggyback or well something this like is what i was thinking is and they then... could like throw her like acrobatic stuff oh okay so yeah we just make sure that our actors are all acrobats that's cool yeah um, easy and... no 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 it is that's actually that's doable yeah um <laughs> and then we get them to uh yeah do like some kind of cheerleading thing yeah to yeah. get her to, to get her to the trampoline and then she just she bounces on the trampoline and is also connected to a wire and gets up to the top easy yeah. easy peasy easy, easy, easy peasy there we go um, now done <laughs> yeah see, oh my I told God. You. You uh, okay um what... if you believe <laughs> what else is there we've actually missed the most important element guys oh the, is it the bus no no oh. <laughs> do we have to think about the bus I was going to say, we need the Trident commercial as a barbershop quartet that just oh, turns up yeah. on the corner oh gosh, of the yes. stage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every, like, after they mention it, obviously, just every so often, the light comes on and they the barbershop quartet starts singing. I love that. And then get cut off. If it was a musical, that would be a reprise number, but it's not. But, but it's not. You can it's have just that. a funny yeah, bit. I love instead. that. I love that so much. That reminds me, for some reason, my favorite. I think my favorite part of the whole movie is when they're in the dream production thing and they're about to do a dream, and she's like, "Action!" And then this like big jelly bean 
with a moustache <laughs> just talks in a, um, yeah. her voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh so much. It's so good. Because <laughs> so he's got like a big beard and then yeah. <laughs> and there's a little and girl's so voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. It's a good film. Oh, <laughs> what if, so good. What if got... we just invite huge audiences into a theatre and then we just show them the film? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just oh my gosh, yeah. So hard, <laughs> we'll advertise it as like, we'll like say like, oh, it's a moving picture. Yes. Like, it's like a picture, but it moves. Yes, yes. Um, And then we'll get them to like, yeah, like sit down. But maybe we'll give them food because it's like less impolite, I guess, yes. if there's not real audiences there. Yeah. Um, so let them have like, I don't know, we could like, um, we could get some corn and like just cook it real hard. Um, and they could eat that. Um, and maybe some like massive soft drinks too. Real. Are you proud um, of yourself, Jake? <laughs> I think we've done very well given I, no, the challenges I, we have faced. I think we have. The bus, maybe if we build this small like train, like, you know, this carriage set, then, then that can double up as a bus set. We just, you just put a different thing on it that makes it look like a bus. Yeah. Maybe. Or um, I'm thinking like uh, Caroline or Change that was on at Chichester. We just have like one person at the front like holds these big headlights and then everyone just stands as if they're on a bus. And I tell you what, it's pretty effective. Yeah. It is really good. They do that in uh, the 39 Steps as well on the train. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we could do Um, something like that. They do in company as well. We could, apart from the fact that normally when they do that, correct me if I'm wrong, they do it by pretending the thing is moving. And the whole point is that it doesn't move until the very end. No, no, it is moving because she doesn't get off until she gets into the freeway. But also you can just have it arrive at the bus station so it can move onto the stage. Oh, that's that's true. So we I've also see, never seen that. But see yeah. it move and then leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Imagination. Yeah. Imagination. Um, yeah. yeah, we're aiming it at children, and children have a very good imagination, so yeah, they man. will just fill in That's the gaps. True. Oh, that has reminded me of Imagination Land, which we've not really covered either. Well, that oh, that wow. is definitely one of these places where I'm thinking this these sort of big painted pantomime sets, maybe even bringing in a psych that has like all of imagination land, like painted onto it. Um, mm, and a big, like massive McDonald's chips. Yeah. Just comes on yeah. From the side. Well, you can use lots of like, uh, oh, I always forget the name for them, but like, like lots of pieces of set within that, yes. which are like prop-esque, larger props that, um, it's more set dressing than set design. Yeah, set dressing. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do love Cloud City though, and I feel like that might be something that's impossible on the stage. That may be impossible. <laughs> that that gag with the police. <laughs> this is like, Cloud City, it. man. <laughs> um, how? Um, speaking of all that though, how do we want to do these scene changes? Are we thinking we get the like mind workers to come on and do it? Or are we mm. thinking that it's automated? I'm, like I'm thinking kind of the mind workers would come on and do everything in the downstage space. But then um, I feel like I didn't explain very well what I what I meant by the HQ thing. I think rather than being on a hydraulic arm, you put it more on like a big rail that goes up a, like a raked area at the back. I know what you mean. You mean like there's that theme park ride that like goes like in like a like a circle mm. in 3D space. You mean like half of that? Right? Yeah. So it comes forward and back. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe even like in, in a scene where it goes from like 
Imagination Land to HQ or whatever, you can have all the mind workers come on and bring all of the set off. And as that's happening, this big uh, thing on the on the rail, the big HQ on the rail, like sort of slowly comes down to downstage. And then again, as that pushes back up again, and I, but I think the scene can start whilst the HQ is still moving. Yeah. So the action feels like it's just continuing. It doesn't mm. feel like there's these big gaps in what's happening. Because my worst thing about Pantos, going back to Pantos, um, is when there's clunky transitions yeah. between sets. I think there has to be it has to be a clean. Well, with any show, actually, when there's clunky transitions, you just yeah get bored. <laughs> yeah, no, no, true. I mean, but that because that's that in pantomime the way they do that cheaply is they bring the tabs in. They yeah. do the what a weird scene in front of the tabs yeah that is just like hey kids or he's behind you or buttons just chatting shit yeah and then they do the scene change during that you bring the tabs in and it's riley in class and she's <laughs> 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 well i actually i joke but there is maybe something in that <laughs> her, her dad's job is he's a pantomime dame <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. It's so funny because, like, in the film, it's clear that he's, like, some kind of um, venture capitalist or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just change it where they've moved to San Francisco because that's where pantomime is really at at the moment. Like, <laughs> um, that's very silly. <laughs> um, or, or maybe even... Um, you know, if we did, if we did have any transitions that were clunky enough that you needed to bring the tabs in, maybe we see a memory play out that's yes. then going to be explored in the next Ooh, scene or yeah. something like that. Mm, um, or yeah, if we can bring it, I wonder if we can when we bring it forward, we can bring it forward in such a way that it it almost comes with tabs, as it were. So like the back of it as it comes down mm. almost covers up the rest of the stage in some way. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Um, uh, it might be that it might be we make it look like it's one thing, but it's two things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, all. That's all very potentially possible. Um, and that's as much we need to do here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, also, in this n- <laughs> in new world that we are facing, and only because I'm living it currently with one of our shows, you could actually make this show relatively socially distanced as well. In terms of the performers, yeah, the performers socially distancing. Mm. You you wouldn't, mm. they wouldn't have to. I guess the only problem would be showing that like that final hug that gets you every time with the parents and Riley. But Make them real parents and a kid. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just I mean, cast real parents and a yeah. child, um, and then it's fine if they're all in the same household. It's just I, a thought although, I had. It's a really dark and horrible thought, but you know, if we continue they, to have to be in this place. Then is that it's good to know. Sorry, to interrupt you. Is is that what's happening? Rehearsals and all that kind of stuff. Are they not just bubbling cast together? People are actually socially distancing in backstage, on stage, dressing rooms, yeah, everything. Like that. Is that really happening? This is what Josh talked about on the podcast last week, Jake. But um, we were... yeah, but that's different because they're students. So I thought, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it does depend on the show, doesn't it? It does depend on the show. We just did um, a show called Crave where they were socially distanced on stage and and pretty much throughout rehearsals. I mean, we did trial testing with them but um it didn't really matter because they were socially distanced for the entire show but that Mm. if you know crave which is a sarah kane play it's not hard for that to be a socially distanced show because it's very experimental um they were all on like treadmills right yeah they were yeah they were all on treadmills i saw a picture 
it it was a very good show. Um, but uh, Pinocchio, which is our Christmas show, uh, is kids from lots of different schools. So uh, you know, we've had to socially distance them. They are in two team bubbles. Um, but they still within the show, uh, we're showing it as a socially distanced performance. So they're remaining one meter plus from one another. So and and lots mm. of, depending on how actors and etc are feeling, so, some shows are doing going ahead with that at the moment, and um, because it costs so much to get testing. Yeah, um, to get for, testing and and to do because you'd have to, to do, do it every bubble, day to make it worth it. Uh, yeah, and to do a bubble effectively as well with a cast of any size. Really, your I mean the way they've been doing this in terms of like um, the sports leagues is that they're all living in these huge hotels together with all of their yeah. families in them. I mean, the only successful one I know that uh, uh, not successful in terms of show, but successful in terms of they didn't require lots of testing and they just bubbled was uh, when Bristol Old Vic did Romantics Anonymous that they live streamed and they bubbled the whole But It was quite a small cast and team um, and they bubbled the whole group in a hotel or some houses, I think, and they literally self-isolated for two weeks before um, and then went in and did the show. I mean, this this is just boring conversation now, no, but it was, it was, yeah. it, was um, it was really interesting. And then they live stream, and on their final performance, they did it in person with a few people. But um, yeah, but that's the only like like completely bubbled and tested at the beginning. I don't know the full details either. So, but I know that all of their cast were fine, and it was a really. Mm. I know. Um... Uh, educating Rita are hiring different tech teams in every theatre they go to as they tour around. Oh, interesting. Because, well, that's only two actors, isn't it? So that's kind yeah. of easy yeah. to do. And last five years was touring, but again, that's only two actors and they're basically never on stage together. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so I, I think we got there. I guess, um, yeah, there was a few things that we <laughs> didn't quite figure out, but that's all right. Um, but... I think we figured out the most important element. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess the the thing we often sort of come to at this point in the show is where would we put an interval if we wanted one? Ooh. It's funny because it feels like it follows a very standard structure, but also, I don't know, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if I was to hazard uh, a guess at it, it would be the place to put one would be... Just before they have to wake up Riley? Either just before they have to wake up Riley, when she, yeah, so when the train of thought stops and it's like, oh, okay, in the beginning of the next act, we're going to have to wake up Riley. And starting with the sequence of going to the movie um, studio would be really fun. Um, Or a little bit later, it would be just after Riley's booked the bus, but that would probably be too late, to be honest. Yeah, it could be when they take Bing Bong to jail. No, I tell you what, tell you what, actually, no. I was supposed to pick the exact moment because just after the yeah, just after those jelly beans hop out of the train and they say the train of thought is closed for the night, and they say okay, we've got to go wake up Riley, and then they're like, let's head to the the dream studio. That's about yeah. fifty minutes into the film, and there's another forty minutes after. I think that would be perfect. a pretty perfect moment to do it. Yeah, I know. Perfect. I was well done. Thank you. I remember when we paused. The yeah, movie. we were, we watched the we watched the film in two chunks, and that's where we paused it just by ah, chance. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, and it worked well. Um, okay, I think I've 
we've done all the big bits I want to do. I think. Is there anything else? No, I think I think I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I I feel like, in some ways, uh, this is one of the rare times where I come out and I think I want this film to remain a film. Yeah, uh, and not agreed. be staged. And I really hope Disney never makes the decision to stage this because yeah. o- often I, I feel like, you know, what we do on here, I'm like, no, no, we can make this work in a theater. It could be really fun in the theater. But this is something that is just so powerful in what it is right now. It really doesn't yeah. need to be changed and, and made into a stage show. And, it, uh, yeah. and, and I think like part of the reason for picking it, because we were in conversation about this, was that it is such a like beautiful film and and something that's really an important message right now for us to be uh, aware of our feelings, especially as a child going through lockdown or whatever, to be aware of the feelings you're feeling, um, I think is such a beautiful thing. But I do think it is something that very much has to remain in film to capture the magic of of what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think, I think, I can't remember if it's exactly right, but I think, like, if you read Pixar's, like, mission statements and their aims and that kind of stuff, they, or at least, um, what's his name? I can't remember his name, Bob something, the guy that started it. Mm. Um, he, he, he set out to be like, what can we do with film for kids mm. that we can now do with animation that we've never been able to do before? And yeah. that's, like, always been in their heads. And so I almost feel like every Pixar film, is going to be something where we're like, oh, would we want to stage this? Because they all have that element of like, this This is something that like, it's been achieved with animation because not even live action film could achieve it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think to an extent that is probably true. I think, well, and is Coco Pixar? Yeah. So that was another suggestion Elspeth made for this episode. I'll probably cut this, but um, but... And I think maybe something like that would be easier to stage and to reimagine for the stage. Um, but okay, inside out, okay. inside out, it's just it's just so specific in terms of the the scale of it. It's like huge, but it's tiny, and it's mm. it's so specific in the style. Like I've never seen another animated film that is grasping at this specific style in terms of like it is 3D animated, like other films before it and and since. But this is so different to other Pixar films. It doesn't. You look at it and you know it's Pixar, but you don't look at it and go, oh, that's just another Pixar film. You know, there's just something about this film that I feel is very much its own thing and is very much unique to the cinematic experience. Yeah. Although it is still the Pixar trope of what if this could talk. But yes. I do agree. Yeah, that is um, true. That is true. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to admit defeat on this one because I do feel like the ideas we came up with were, were good and were definitely good enough to, to make a, a stage show. Um, but it just I, belongs in film, doesn't it? I think it? it belongs in film, doesn't it? In, yeah. in comparison to some a lot of the other ones we've done on this podcast, I think this is this is different in that sense. Yeah, and I think if we were to, if someone wants to do this, this would be the first hour of hundreds of hours of conversations. Yes, about <laughs> and, and that's, every individual thing. We're but this about. is exactly it in terms of this, which film, is always true every is, single episode. But. Well, yeah, but the the fact that in this film you know like we talked about right at the beginning the fact that it is this extended metaphor that you just simply cannot unpick it it works so well you can tell the number of hours that have already gone into writing rewriting and completely understanding Mm. the world it's building so to then transpose that onto the stage you know it's going to require at least that much work again um yeah 
And so in comparison to some of the other films, I just think, yeah, it would just be hundreds and hundreds of hours poured into making this world work yeah. in the setting of the theatre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got, had four writers. Yeah, start with. which is yeah. very Pixar. That's just a classic. Yeah. yeah. Use a room. Okay, well, um, let's bring it to an end there then. Yeah. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on again. No uh, worries. We love having you. You are to 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 admit defeat you are a fan favorite um, <laughs> yes <laughs> um and where can what are you up to now where can people find you online what's going on tell us oh well i didn't know if you were gonna ask for a recommendation so i was gonna recommend oh yeah we, as... <laughs> we haven't been doing that but please oh but, okay yeah, yeah. well i was gonna recommend that um as it's coming up to christmas supporting freelancers who are not working in the theater at the moment uh not on the west uh shows you loads of people who have t- turned their hands to other things uh whilst not being on the west end and lots of gift ideas so um, go over there and purchase stuff. I'm not on there. None. Of, I think uh, maybe some friends are on there, but I don't really know. But um, I, I just think it's a wonderful venture and something creative to show. Uh, yeah, show a bit of love to. Um, uh, and uh, I'm just hoping that we can open a show at Christmas. Um, but people can find me at Elspeth Rebecca on instagram and twitter thank you so much Elizabeth. that's amazing i'm definitely gonna look at that for my christmas gifts um caleb where can people find you online i am on twitter instagram and letterboxd at caleb lebster c-a-l-e-b-l-e-b-s-t-e-r and our second podcast is still going for its first season do try this at home you can find it on wherever you get your podcasts um and you can follow uh that account for more info on that at um twitter and instagram at do try this pod um Jake, where can people find you online? You can find me at Jake Reesh. That's J-A-K-E-R-E-E-S-H. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And I also have something to recommend, which Ooh. is for hopefully when this goes out the next week, maybe a week and a bit, maybe just under a week, not exactly sure, you will be able to watch Amelia, uh, the play live, which was a West End production um, that has been recorded uh, and is being, the archive recording is being broadcast on the internet it's pay what you want and uh or pay what you can and everything that you pay goes to the crew and cast of that show directly um and it was also really good and is really really worth a watch and i've just studied it as part of my course and uh learned lots of really cool things about it um so you can find out more about that at amelialive.com uh so that's all of that otherwise we are maybe you like it productions and this is the maybe you like it podcast and you can find us on twitter and instagram at maybe you like it with the letter u or you can find us on facebook at maybe you like it productions that's with the word u or you can visit our website at www.maybe you like it.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybe you like it.co.uk and as always thanks cav for the wonderful theme music that you have made for us and <laughs> Maybe you like that. Maybe you didn't. Thank you very much. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.